This episode has been brought to you in part by Canderell and Kingset Capital. Coming soon, affordable luxury condominium living at 908 St. Clair West. Nestled into a vibrant, one-of-a-kind neighborhood, 908 St. Clair West is a modern treasure, offering a sophisticated lifestyle inspired by St. Clair Village and prestigious Forest Hill. Register today at 908stclairwest.com. Hi, everybody. I'm Ralph ben Murphy. Welcome to Yehupitzville, brought to you by Pear Tree Canada. At last uh, episode, we spoke about Kitchener-Waterloo and Jewish life there, and I made a, an omission that I will now correct in terms of a key figure of uh, life in Kitchener-Waterloo over the decades, Rabbi Philip Rosenzweig. Uh, Beth Jacobs Synagogue. For those of you who are from there, you'll know what an amazing person he was and how much he uh, impacted Jewish life in KW. Uh, he was uh, lucky enough to go to the yeshiva to learn with Rabbi Avram Price, one of the world's leading Talmudic scholars. And then he wisely married Gittel Flicht in Toronto in 1953, had wonderful children, one who's been on this program, Avram Rosenzweig. The rabbi was actively involved in congregation and community activities all the time. He established the B'nai B'rith Hillel Foundation at Waterloo Lutheran University, now known as Wilfrid Laurier University. He visited Jewish inmates at local prisons, counseling them, advocating on their behalf, kosher food. He gave tours of the synagogue. He was relentless in his uh, promotion of Jewish life in Kitchener-Waterloo. Always talked to high school and university students, service clubs, churches, community groups, and uh, served for decades as a principal and teacher at Talmud Torah there. Uh, He passed away in 1989 uh, and is buried at Beth Shemesh in Israel in the family plot, a special cemetery for rabbis and their family. So my apologies for that omission, and uh, I hope that uh, we can all appreciate the contributions he's made. Well, today, we're not going to Kitchener-Waterloo. We're going to the throbbing metropolis of Lethbridge, Alberta. Lethbridge, kind of between Edmonton and Calgary on the highway, you get to go to Lethbridge. Uh, Lethbridge uh, is also the home of my guest, Goldie Morgenthaler. Uh, Goldie is uh, known as the translator of much of her mother's work, including The Tree of Life, a trilogy of life in the Lutz ghetto and survivors, seven short stories. She won the 2005 Helen and Stan Vine Canadian Jewish Book Award for that. She's written extensively, teaches uh, English literature, British and American literature, as well as modern Jewish literature, and is an expert in the Yiddish language. And she's also, yes, a Morgenthaler and the daughter of Dr. Henry Morgenthaler, who many of us know. So I will welcome you now to this program, Goldie Morgenthaler. Welcome to Yehokitsville. Thank you very much. But I have to correct something you said. Uh, Lethbridge is not uh, is not located between Calgary and Edmonton. It's it's actually been very close to the news recently. It's in the south. It's south of Calgary. Oh, that's right. Near Coots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So you've been having some fun lately. Uh, yes. I, I don't quite know what's been going on in Lethbridge itself, 
but uh, Coots is quite close to um, to Lethbridge. So for those who will be hearing this at another time, Coots has been part of the truck convoy blockades. Uh, it is a, a crossing point into the United States, and there were some people there. Uh, one who was arrested for uh, having um, several weapons and is being uh, charged, I believe, with murder, uh, uh, conspiracy to murder. So things are dark. Let me ask you something about this, this whole thing. Day one or two of all this, when the occupation of Ottawa was happening, you can't even believe I'm saying those words, um, there were uh, Confederate flags and Nazi insignias. What was your reaction? Oh, I, I was appalled. I was appalled. I, frankly, I'm still appalled. I, but also not surprised. I mean, this is, the, I, I guess, uh, the kind of people who are um, doing these things, who are occupying Ottawa and blocking the border, um, you know, they're, they're all sort of part and parcel of this kind of right-wing, alt-right um well, it's not really a conspiracy, but but this group of people who have um, so on the one hand you've got the Nazi symbols, on the other hand they appropriate things uh, from the Holocaust. They mm. they wear yellow uh, Star. stars. Yeah. Uh, they consider you know they they make um, analogies to uh, themselves as as victims of what happened. Um, during the Second World War to the Jews. It's it's really, I've sort of gotten a little inured to it, but it's awful. Uh, just a few days ago, somebody, a friend of mine sent me a, a photo of someone demonstrating in Toronto. Um, and, and the sign said Goyim on top. And then it listed all the makers of the vaccines like Pfizer, Moderna, um, and so on, and, and that they were Jews, mm. Jewish names. And somehow this is supposed to be part of this Jewish conspiracy to inoculate everyone against COVID, right? It's just, um, on the one hand, it's crazy. Um, on the other hand, it's really, it's awful. It's awful. I don't know what else to say. I There's a, a heartbreak to this. You know, when do we learn? What do we learn? I mean, I, I was reflecting on the idea that at one point, uh, the social credit movement in the West had as part of its uh, um, literature, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Right. I mean, this is a viciously anti-Semitic tract that claims that there is a world Jewish conspiracy to take over the world, uh, media, every, business, everything. And it was part of politics in Alberta and British Columbia. Yeah, you know, I, so when you write about, you know, your mother and, and the Lots ghetto, and then you see this today, um, are we getting anywhere? Or are we going in circles? What are we doing? We're going backwards. I don't know that we're going in circles. We're going backwards. Part of it has to do with the fact that the Holocaust is becoming a memory. And also that people are extremely ignorant. They're ignorant not just about what happened um, during, the second, during the Second World War in general and the Holocaust in particular. They're also ignorant about Jews and what it means to be Jewish. And um, so that's why you get, you know, uh, somehow, uh, if if you're talking about Jews, somehow you're also talking about Israel. And of course, Israel is no longer, um, uh, is, is this horrible demonic country. Um, I gave a guest lecture at my university a few years ago about my mother's work, about the Holocaust, 
And the first question I got from a student was, why didn't I say anything about Israel? As if the two were um, tied hand and foot, right? They were completely connected. So um, I don't know what's going on. I don't like it. I, I really wish that the schools would teach more history and history also about what happened to the Jews, not just um, in the Second World War, but the the entire history of the Jews, especially in Europe. Um, so I, I could go on for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I know. I know. Well, I mean, you know, the, the, the lack of context, the lack of history is one of the saddest things for, for many of us. So you're there, you're in Lethbridge, and then you give a talk on something like this. What is it like to be Jewish in Lethbridge? Um, that's a very good question. It, it is uh, dealing with a lot, a lot of, um, I should say, I shouldn't say a lot, uh, some occasional ignorance, um, which I didn't quite realize until we had, uh, how should I put it? Uh, we had an incident that I think made the national news. We had a professor who was making videos that denied the Holocaust. And um, I wrote a letter of complaint to the university. He was a full professor, was very hard to know what to do with him. And so I, I, I wrote a letter of complaint. Uh, the university didn't seem to know what to do with it. So they parceled out my complaint to, to, a, to a dean um, and to someone else. But really, it, it was the dean who... Um, shocked me because he um, he dismissed my complaint. But also, I said nothing in my letter about Israel, about Zionism, nothing. My complaint was about denying the Holocaust. And, um, and that if we had students at the university, um, and we have very, very few, but they, but they do occasionally come, that the students like this, if they knew about this, um, they would feel very uncomfortable. And I also, um, I participated in, uh, you know, a get to know the university at one point, and I had people coming up to me, a Jewish family from Seattle, to ask me how bad, was it really true that the atmosphere at the university was anti-Semitic? The truth is it's not. And and I have to say that my personal experience, I have experienced very little. In fact, aside from this one incident, none. Um, No feelings like that. And sometimes quite the contrary. But this issue with uh, this professor who had written um, he, was, he, he was making videos of uh, denying the Holocaust. He was teaching in his classes, uh, first of all, anti-Zionism. He knew nothing about Israel, his state of Israel. And the students were writing letters to the editor. Every time there was some flare-up in the Middle East, that I would read these horrible letters uh, in the student newspaper. So um, that did happen. But it was really this letter from the dean who was, I thought, a friend of mine who was in the same field. I teach 19th century literature. He was teaching a very, in a very similar field. Um, what he said in that letter uh, also uh, upset me because I expected a more um, uh, greater understanding of the history of the Jews and uh, the fact that he dis- and he, so his entire response was about Israel. 
Um, and I had said nothing about Israel. Mm-hmm. And he just dismissed the complaint. Uh, so in the end, I went to the provost. And, and in the end, this person, they eventually got rid of this person. I have to say the university, the provost in particular, were very good. So that's good. Uh, that's good. That's a good thing. I remember I went to the University of Alberta before they kicked me out. I spent in the mid-70s about a year and a half in the acting program. <clears throat> and I would uh, meet people in Edmonton on campus. And I was literally the first Jewish person they'd ever met. Mm. Right. They'd, they'd yeah. never met a Jew before. And, you know, I would make light of it and say things like, well, do you like my horns and stuff like that, <laughs> just to have fun. right? But they were genuinely curious because they had no interaction with Jewish people. But what's the uh, what is Jewish life in Lethbridge? Is there a Jewish life in Lethbridge? No, and, and when you asked me to do this interview, I thought I should tell you it was going to be very short. <laughs> no, there isn't. I, as far as I know, um, there are very few Jews in Lethbridge. That wasn't always the case. There was uh, once, um, I think in the early 20th century, there was a thriving community. Mm-hmm. I mean, thriving, it's a small place. Mm-hmm. But there was, um, uh, I don't know if you know Michael Wex. Yes, he is from Lethbridge. I think he even uh, he went there was a hater or there was so he got some kind of Jewish education there. When I first came in 97, there was a synagogue and I was constantly dragging my very secular mother and my secular husband to the synagogue just because I was afraid. Um, you know, they, I think they, they needed bodies. Hmm. So we're, we're none of us very religious, but I made us sit through this because if you sit through services, I was afraid they would close. And in yeah. fact, they did. Yeah. There, it just, Jews moved away mostly. Hmm. So there's, um, there is a clothing store downtown that uh, was, was owned by Jews. I, I'm not sure if it still is. Uh, there was a, um, um, a man, a community man, there's a word for this in Yiddish, who um, named Gary Cohn, who really uh, was the heart of the community. Um, and I think he's the one who got rabbis to come from Calgary to right. uh, <laughs> on the high holidays. There was once a one student who was just full of, of um, pizzazz, and she was so energetic. She got things moving. It was really quite a nice time to be Jewish in Lethbridge. She organized all kinds of things. The people who came to the synagogue, a lot of them were not Jews. They were married to Jews. Mm. And um, so they came and, and, you know, that that was really very nice. But but in the end, they had to sell the building. There just weren't enough. There wasn't enough population. So aside from my husband and one or two others at the university, I don't know any Jews, but there may be. I mean, Lethbridge right. is now quite big. It's about population, about 100,000. Right. So it's possible, you know, there's a hospital. Uh, there used to be a Jewish anesthesiologist at the hospital. But other than that. That's it. That's that's it. That's yes. it. You know, uh, I. I so, how do you keep Yiddishkeit in your life? I mean, you're an expert in Yiddish, and you got nobody to talk to about Lethbridge except your family, right? Well, I had uh, my mother, uh, when she got older, she came to live with us. Mm-hmm. So she and I very often spoke in Yiddish. Um, 
you know <laughs> what? Can, I I think that's the case everywhere, frankly. Yeah. There are very uh, un, uh, except among the Chassidim, and there are no Chassidim in uh, in Lethbridge, right? So they speak uh, Yiddish. Um, but the people my generation always speak English to each other. Right. But I still get the foreverts in Yiddish. I get it online now, and um, and I'm translating a lot, so that keeps keeps the language alive in my head, if yeah. nowhere else. So I mean, I, I don't come from Yiddish. I'm Sephardic. I'm from North Africa. So when um, I remember my dad, uh, uh, somebody in Toronto when we were growing up said to him, "You don't speak Yiddish." And my father couldn't resist and said, well, you know, it doesn't come in handy in North Africa. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I picked up showbiz Yiddish. That's about all I know. Right, right. right and, right. you know, when you said that there used to be a Jewish guy who owned a clothing store in Lethbridge, yeah. I thought, you know, I once watched a documentary about uh, the Canadian Chinese restaurants all over Canada and what a phenomenon they are. And I thought we should do one on, on the Canadian yeah. Jewish men's clothing stores, you know, or the because everybody every town seemed to have one. Glace Bay had one, Lethbridge had one, everybody had one, right? I think because those Jews were originally peddlers, right? Yeah. In the West. And so, you know, it, it evolved, evolved from peddling to having a store to it. And, um, but I, a friend of mine actually wrote an article about the Jews of Lethbridge. I introduced him to the owner of that clothing store. And I remember during the interview, he was asked, have you ever experienced anti-Semitism? This man um, was in his, he must have been mid-70s. And he said, yeah, people always used to talk to uh, about Jewing down right. and Jew this and Jew that. So, um, you know, it, the, the other thing with Lethbridge is that the community is very, very religious still. It was, um, yeah. there are a lot of... Um, all, all kinds of Christian denominations. And um, so in some ways, when I was teaching, that was a great advantage because I had students who knew the Bible well, and I was teaching sometimes um, poems. And I would ask, like, does everyone know what this means? And the, the students who came from religious homes usually knew. But um it it had its its downside as well, and the whole you know Christian idea of what it means to be a Jew, yeah. and I I would get that as well. And I, I've had students tell me, I, I used to teach a poem about the Holocaust by Dan Pages, which you may know. Uh, it's it's very very short. So in this railway car, I Eve and Abel, my son. If you should see my other son, Cain son of man, tell him that I, and that's the end, right? It's a, um, it's, uh, he, it was originally in Hebrew. And so you have to know, and it's called in a railway car. So you have to know uh, what the railway car alludes to. You have to know who Cain and Abel are. Um, and you have to know who Eve is, right? So many people, I, at first I was shocked, but I, I learned that most of my students had no idea who any of these people were, except for the ones who came from very religious homes. And of course they did. But I had one student once who told me, once I said, this, I taught about the Holocaust in relation to this poem. And he said, well, but I heard all the Jews were rich who were sent away and they were sent away because they were rich and they wouldn't um, share their money uh, with anybody else. You know, and I'm sitting, right. sitting there going, 
what do I do with this? (laughs) You know, how, how he's a young guy, like it's, I can't get angry and yet I can't let it stand. So it, it like that kind of problem didn't occur often, but I did have to deal with this. On the other hand, the other side of this is I, I once uh, used the word chutzpah in a class and I have uh, I had native students and I had one of my students was this tall, very good looking guy with braids down the front of his chest. And I asked, does anyone know? I just used the word chutzpah. Does anyone know what this means? And this guy raised his hand and gave me the right interpretation. <laughs> and I was stunned. And I said, how do you know? And he said, my mother is Jewish. Wow. So, and, and they lived on the reserve. So, you know, the experiences in the West are interesting and different from what, yeah. I mean, I'm from Montreal. So yeah. I, it, so there, there's two sides to it. Yeah, I mean, you come from a place where there's Jewish normative, as it were. There, yeah. And then you come to a place where it's Jewish aberrant. Right. Yes, it's it's what. Right. It's just like it, yeah. it's like. What are you doing here? It's like. What, what do you mean? What am I doing here? <laughs> you know. Yeah, and and also the uh, the um, assumption that you are not somehow different. You know, so um, everybody wishes me Merry Christmas. Right. Right. So I. What do you say back to my students? I correct them, and sometimes I say to if it's a friend, I say I don't celebrate. Christmas. Or people would ask me, have you done your Christmas shopping? And I would say, thank God I don't go. <laughs> but, but I've had very strange, re- I've had people say, but isn't, the, isn't, don't you have a similar thing? And they mean Hanukkah, right? Yeah, so yeah, I said, yeah. but that's not Jewish Christmas. There's no such thing. Yeah. I always say Hanukkah, give me a break. It's, it's a minor and interesting holiday, but right. we've, we've perverted it into, you can all have gifts too, because, you know, as kids, you're sitting there watching all these other people get gifts and you're like, what about us? Right. So we overcompensate with ideas like Hanukkah bushes and things like that, you know. Absolutely, yes. I well, mean, it's become... It's a dominant culture thing. I mean, I was in Israel once doing a documentary and it was Christmas Eve and I went to Bethlehem and Palestinian Christians were having a fabulous time and singing um, jingle bells in Arabic and I loved it. And the next morning I'm in Herzliya, north of Tel Aviv, and I'm shooting something outside, some exteriors of a building before I do an interview. And I look around and I think, why do I feel so weird? And I realized there was no Christmas. There was Israel uh-huh. had no Christmas going. The only Christmas you get in Israel is Russian Christmas, which uh-huh. they do called Sylvester a little later, you know. Uh, but there were no lights. There were no sails. There were no trees. That's right. So that was a dominant culture where it didn't exist. And I realized it was the first time in my life that Christmas just had nothing to do with anything, except, of course, my favorite movie is Alistair Sims' Scrooge, which, <laughs> right, so I can listen to Dickens and his social justice and enjoy it, you know, right? It's, right? Yeah. it's all great. So um, one thing I should ask you, because everyone will say your name is Morgenthal or your father, um, what, what would he... What would he have done in a place like Leverage, do you think? Well, he actually came for a visit. Um, what do you mean by what would he have done? Well, would he have been able to be the same kind of person if he'd been in the West that he was in Montreal? Would... I, I don't think so. And I think also the, um, the attitude towards abortion. Um, it, in, in Montreal, it was, 
the French Canadians were much more open to it. In the, I mean, he got, you know, he had three trials. He got acquitted mm. every single trial and the jury was French Canadian. So their attitude till today, I think, is much more open to that. In the West, it was a, more of a fight, mm. um, if I remember correctly. So I don't think... I mean, some people, when he came for a visit, people recognized him. Right. And, um, you know, a lot the the guy who ran the Ethiopian restaurant got so excited that he gave us a free meal. <laughs> he ate there. So, you know, but that that was many years after. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I don't know. One thing, just your, your story about Israel, one thing that I did notice when I moved out to uh, Lethbridge from Montreal and I missed was actually the lack of French. I was, mm. you know, you get so used to Montreal, it's your background noise, even when you're speaking English. Sure, sure. And people jump back and forth between the languages. That's one of the um, great things about Montreal. And I move out to Lethbridge and there's, there, there's none of that, right? Because everyone's speaking English. Yeah. So you lose a bit of the color of um, city light. And the yeah. food, the food. Right? In Montreal? Well, in Lethbridge, where's the Jewish food? I mean, you have to do it yourself None. or it doesn't exist, right? None. No, I mean, uh, you know, I have to... Um... I have to explain. I wanted matzah once. I had to explain what that was. The <laughs> supermarket. Or it's a really big or. cracker. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, you know, a lot of the people from Lethbridge, actually, when they moved away, they moved to Calgary. So Calgary does yeah. have uh, restaurants and you can get Jewish food there. Yeah, yeah. It has a, it has a Jewish population for sure. Right. So if somebody Jewish was going to think about coming to teach at the, in, at the university in Lethbridge or living in Lethbridge and they were, they were an observant Jew, what would you, what would you tell them? You can't come. There's no kosher anything in Lethbridge. Mm. In fact, I, I met uh, once when I was giving a talk in Montreal, I met someone who was observant Jewish <clears throat> and he told me he'd gone for a job interview in Lethbridge and he'd been interviewed by um, an Irish Catholic and um, I, I said, well, that's very strange. Why, why were you interviewed by him? And he said, well, because he had lived for in Israel for a few months. That was the closest. I think right. I wasn't there yet. Closest they could get to a Jew. But uh, he said he, he said he would have had a hard time. And he certainly would have. Yeah. Um, we, we now have more of a Muslim population. And they have similar issues with halal food. But that's more available, I have the impression, than, um, the, than kosher. Kosher is, forget it. So I think you could probably keep the holidays. But the, the other um, issue is uh, there was, um, we had a teaching assistant who was Jewish. She came from Edmonton. And she was constantly after me to make a Seder. And I said, there's, there's three of us. I don't want to make it. And I, you know, I don't even know how. <laughs> but she moved away eventually because of that. And it, there was a, a professor at the university who used to make seders. Um, and he knew how to run them. And he cooked for them. And he, all the people he invited were not Jewish, except for me, my mother, and my husband. And that was very nice. I mean, that was really mm -hmm. lovely. 
but he stopped doing it. And yeah, I think it's hard. It's really, it's really hard. It's very hard to do it. You know, and it's hard to live there if you're an observant Jew. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, there's a there's a reason for a minion, right? You you have to have community. Yeah, that's right. Right. So I, on the whole, I mean, Lethbridge is a pleasant place to live. My mother loved it. You know, mm. she thought it was very peaceful, which it is normally. Um, and uh, I, I can't say that aside from this one incident with the professor who was anti, you know, said mm, the Holocaust yeah, yeah. never happened. I, aside from that, I really have not had, uh, I haven't been miserable. I mean, like you, you come across ignorance and that's about it. So um, it hasn't been a, a bad life. But on the other hand, I'm not observant. Right? Yeah, I yeah. don't really pay that much attention. I I never taught on that. Oh, that was another thing. I have a I have a policy that I would not teach on Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur or Passover. If they, they fell out yeah. on days I was teaching and I told the students that and I used it as a moment to explain why, because those are important holidays. Sure. I had um, from a few of the professors who looked down their noses at that, that uh, since I said that I was not particularly observant, they thought I was just goofing off right you know why why are you taking the that that really upset me and annoyed me why are you taking off these holidays you say uh you're an atheist why how and the the issue that i think a lot of non-jews don't get is that judaism is more than a religion it is also and i would say well this is Rosh Hashanah is New Year's for my people. It is um, a national holiday as far as I'm concerned. Passover the same. And Yom Kippur also, although that is a very religious holiday. So it matters to me. I don't teach on those days. Um, You don't teach Christmas. I don't teach. But to get that across, to get across the idea that Judaism is more than the religion I've had so much explaining to do. It's just, um, I, I don't quite understand what it is that people don't understand. Exposure and education are all part of it, right? I mean, if we're a little over 1% of the Canadian population, yeah, then, you know, it's how much do any of us understand about the other, right? You know, what do we understand about the Chinese religion of the way? You know, what do we understand about Hinduism? It, it, it's whether or not we find a way, a, a bridge to each other that matters, I think. That's true. But the the other side of this is that when I explain why are those holidays are important to me, I would get comments, well, you just really just want a day off. <laughs> um, or um, either it was genuine puzzlement or it was not so pleasant. It was just. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. You're gaming the system. That's what yeah. you're thinking, right? Yeah. Mind you, you did say something a little while back here that was to me the classically Jewish thing to say, which was, it hasn't been miserable. <laughs> <laughs> no, it hasn't. <laughs> you know, as opposed to, it's been good. It hasn't been miserable. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, listen, Goldie, I want to uh, thank you for being uh, uh, on the program, on the podcast. I, I've really appreciated spending some time with you. So Goldie Morgenthaler, uh, professor uh, and uh, Yiddish expert in Lethbridge, Alberta. Uh, Thank you for being on the program. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. 
This has been Yehokitsville, sponsored by Pear Tree Canada, reducing the after-tax cost of giving for Canadians' major gift donors. Learn more at port- peartreecanada.com. I'm your host, Ralph Benmergi. Our producer is Michael Freeman. Our music is by Louis Samayo. And if you want to travel with us across this great country, visiting more small Jewish communities, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to hear more of my work, I host another podcast called Not That Kind of Rabbi. I have a book out called I Thought He Was Dead. And my website is ralphbenmergi.ca. If you want to hear more of Canadian Jewish stories, you can find them at the Canadian Jewish News' website, the CJN. Thanks, and we'll see you next time in Yehobitsville.